Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. In this episode, we have Pelletor Physical Therapist Johanna chatting with us all about what Pelletor Physical Therapy is, what to look for with a Pelletor Physical Therapist, and what you can do if you don't find a PT in your area. Johanna's also going to share what she's going to do during her trying to conceive phase and what she plans to do during her pregnancy as a Pelletor Physical Therapist. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Safe Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals. Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey. We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. In this episode, we have pelvic floor physical therapist Johanna here to talk all about what a pelvic floor physical therapist is, how you know that your pelvic floor physical therapist is helpful for you, and what to do to even find one, and then how she is preparing for pregnancy as a pelvic floor PT, because I always think it's really interesting to hear how other professionals are preparing for their pregnancies. So thank you so much for being here, Johanna. How would I? My name is Dr. Johanna. Robin Schur, I am, am a pelvic floor physical therapist in the Pensacola Navarre region. I used to be in Southern Pines in Moore County, but now I'm in Florida. So treating locally in Florida and then virtually from wherever you are. So yeah, thanks thanks for having me, guys. For those of you guys who don't know, a pel- let's get into what a physical therapist is first, because there are people who don't know what a physical therapist is. So a physical therapist is a medical provider who predominantly evaluates and treats disorders of the musculoskeletal system to help improve how your body performs movements, and then subsequently treats those impairments with specialized programming. So a pelvic floor physical therapist is not that different from that. They're just specially trained in disorders of the pelvic floor. So that's men and women. I mostly focus on the female population, predominantly prenatal, postpartum, people who are thinking about getting pregnant, or all that. So what is the most common thing that you see with your prenatal, postpartum, your pelvic floor PT patients? Like what's like predominantly the most common issue that you're seeing? So it depends on the stage. If they're currently pregnant, I would say the most common thing that I treat it's a mix between diastasis recti and incontinence. I would say that those two are the biggest ones for me personally as a provider. Postpartum, it's a little bit more variable. Still dealing with DR and core control, but in the newly postpartum population, I might get a little bit more prolapse. We might see maybe some more pain with intercourse following birth, uh, depending on if they had any tearing or not. Those would probably be the most common for me personally. It varies depending on, you know, what your demographic. What are some big things that you do as a PT to kind of help treat those like common issues that you're seeing during pregnancy and then during postpartum? Like what could someone expect if they're seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist and they're experiencing those types of issues? So again, there's a lot of variability between providers. For me personally, I think because my background is in sports orthopedics, 
I try and stay true to that. And I try and treat the body as a whole. And this is where it gets a little tricky with like pelvic floor physical therapy, because I think a lot of times you get kind of siloed into the symptom and what you're dealing with there without looking at the body as a whole. And so again, just as I treat myself, I think that, you know, we need to really start at you know, what does your nervous system look like? What do your respiratory patterns look like? And how does respiration play a role in this? Because that's going to be hugely influential on pressure management, which influences your pelvic floor. What does, from a musculoskeletal standpoint, what does your posture look like? Are you having digestive issues on top of the symptoms that you're seeing me for? Are you dealing with some systemic inflammation? So um, maybe incorporating like some lymphatic drainage or um, nutrition, bringing in a nutritionist, talking to people about that. So on top of all the things that I'm doing to evaluate their body and their movement patterns and their posture, what are other educational tools that I can provide to them to maybe seek out additional care so that they're really developing the appropriate team through their rehab journey? So you're saying that there's not like one exercise that you can do to fix all your problems. Because that's what I see on Instagram. I see do this, these two movements and all your pelvic issues are gone. And glute bridges. Just do clamshells and glute bridges. All pelvic floor issues. Solved. Of kegels. Solved. Yeah, <laughs> kegels. Kegels. Just kegels. Yeah. So kegels are not the answer is what you're saying. Because I didn't hear you say anything about kegels <laughs> in solving pelvic floor problems. Oh, we're going to crazy. Although social media, you got to be careful with social media because <laughs> they really throw out a lot of like, they're getting a little more creative in their strategies. So I'm seeing less about kegeling and more like hip work. But I think, especially if you're someone who's looking for a provider or you're in the process of searching for a provider, finding someone who takes a really holistic approach and is really intentional with what they're assigning you within the program. So if you're just getting like Kegels, clams, bridges, resisted band walking, like the generic stuff for hip strengthening, like a, a generic hip strengthening protocol, that's probably not going to address all of the systemic contributors to the symptom that you're experiencing. Like I said, we have to look at the different systems that play into or affect your musculoskeletal system. And so if we're ignoring one of those, then we're probably missing the mark. And so that's where, I mean, I think from a foundational standpoint, and I know everyone is trained differently. You know, I was really intentional after I graduated PT school to seek out mentorship and seek out different ways to treat. So that's where I kind of stumbled across the Postural Restoration Institute and PRI. And so that foundation for me really shifted how I evaluate patients because I automatically go into pretty much every evaluation with the perspective of, okay, yeah, we're going to look at your posture, but we're also going to look at what your nervous system function looks like or, you know, like I said, what your respiration looks like and how those two things, because they're so deeply connected, how those two things influence your movement. 
So Haley Kava is another Pelifer PT that we all love and adore. She's one of the smartest people I think we know. She's coming back to Southern Pines this summer, which we're all very excited about. We just need you to come back too, and then we'll just have yeah. this like dream team. You're genius. But she made a statement that was the pelvic floor is the victim. It's not necessarily like the cause of all your problems. Like oh, yeah. it's just suffering yeah. from all of these other things that are contributing. And so it's like, how are you moving your body? Like, how are you breathing? Because that really influences how your pelvic floor is moving. And so it's not always about more external rotation, more tightening, because I think there's a misconception that tight equals strong, because we'll get that every time we do something about Kegels. Folks are like, but I thought I want a strong pelvic floor. And I was like, I think we need to redefine what strong means. So why do you potentially... My assumption is you're probably along the lines with the rest of us, the cool club, which is Kegels are not the answer. <laughs> Why do you agree with me? <laughs> and if you don't, podcast over. <laughs> I was really fortunate to have like a short period of time where I worked with Haley and she's just a genius. I mean, she's so smart. She's on another level, truly. I mean, I see some of the content that she puts out and I'm like, how did she even think of it? Like, she's just on another level. And so it's really awesome that you guys are going to have her back in Southern Pines to treat locally. Definitely a very special provider. I mean, even if you've made it to the point where you're like, okay, we need to consider hip mobility. Like that's further along than a lot of pelvic floor PTs that I've encountered. I mean, you're already like starting to think a little bit further along there. But yeah, the exercises, it's tough. It's tough to like, everyone is so like individual too in their symptoms. So like, like you said, like the pelvic floor is a victim, but when you're treating or you're evaluating, I should say, when you're evaluating a person, and this is where like programming gets tough, everyone needs their own program. So like I said, you can't be following just like a hip protocol for someone. Like they need what their program is going to be is going to be different from like the next person. And I think that stems from like the body being naturally asymmetrical. And so we need to treat according to these asymmetries and then try and just improve function within a system that's naturally asymmetrical. Can you talk more about what these asymmetries are for our listeners who maybe are not as familiar as us with what the asymmetries are? <laughs> yeah. So within, I'll just give like a kind of general overview because it does get very complex. It can be a little bit overwhelming for people. So within the PRI kind of theory is that there's a little bit more tissue weight on your the right side of your body than the left. So that inherently draws you into, um, from a gravitational standpoint, into that right side of your body. And so we're kind of programmed habitually to shift into that right side. And then depending on how you react to that gravitational shift, kind of dictates what maybe impairments or habits might come up that might cause some of those dysfunctions. So um, the most common pattern that PRI kind of preaches is this concept of this left AIC shift where we've got person. So if you think, like, I'll take myself, for example. So if I'm in a left AIC pattern, I'm standing a little bit more on the right side of my body. So I'm loading through the left leg a little bit more, or sorry, loading through the right leg a little bit more than left. And so when I do this, it brings my pelvis, which is a multi-planar joint, right? We've pelvis moves in the sagittal plane, front to back, frontal plane, side to side, and then um, in the transverse plane, which is 
plantar rotation, so internal and external rotation. So it's going to bring that right pelvis into a position of adduction, slightly extended, and then um, slightly internally rotated. And so what's happening on the left side of my body, um, because that side is a little bit more offloaded, is that pelvis is actually going to be a little bit more forwardly rotated, so a little bit more forwardly flexed, um, a little bit externally ro rotated, so that rotation kind of outflared. And so if we think of a hip, I don't have a hip model on me, but we get almost like this like torsional effect through the pelvic floor, if we're talking pelvic floor, and then up the chain, because that right side is loaded a little bit more, compression through the right ab wall, compression through that right diaphragm, lengthening of the left ab wall in order in an effort to like counterbalance what's going on at the pelvic level. What we end up doing is through that lower rib cage, we actually end up rotating left so that we're not rotated right, right? So if our hip is going right to counterbalance through that lower thoracic spine, we go left. And then to counterbalance that up the chain, now we're getting into a BC pattern. That upper thoracic spine is now going to the right. And then you it goes all the way up through the cervical spine up into almost like the jaw, right? So that pattern is one pattern that we see very, very commonly. It's not everyone. Not everyone falls into that left AIC. So this is where PRA and I kind of go in opposite directions is that I don't necessarily agree that everyone is going to be in that pattern, but it is a very, very common pattern. <laughs> a lot of people end up falling into it. So for that reason, the exercises that are prescribed early on in a program. This isn't for the whole program. This is just like how I approach the beginning based on these um, discrepancies side to side. What I'm assigning to the right side of your body is going to be totally different than what I'm assigning to the left side of the body. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot to process. <laughs> it is a lot. It is really cool, though. And it, it makes a ton of sense when you start thinking about how much weight you put in one leg versus the other. Like when I sit down on the toilet, I can see that my left knee is shifted more forward than the right side. And so if I'm having some issues like emptying my bladder, I'll just kind of shift my hip. Or if I'm feeling a little bit more constipated, I'll just shift where I draw that left knee back and kind of shift the right knee forward. And suddenly it's a little bit easier because the tension in my pelvic floor changes. And it's always really hard for our clients in the gym when we're like, hey, like these are the patterns that we're seeing when you are moving. And so we're going to emphasize a little bit more of the adductor on the left side, the glute mean on the right side. And they're like, well, what about the other side? And I'm like, you don't need it for the other side. And they're like, Phew. like, what do you mean? Like, I must do everything evenly on both sides. So that's usually the hardest part when we try to explain like, hey, a lot of us have asymmetries. This is a common pattern. But I do think it's really beneficial to work with a professional who specializes in pelvic floor physical therapy because the things that I'm seeing as a trainer is not the same level of depth that like a pelvic floor physical therapist can go into. Um, and so it's definitely more general with the type of stuff that like I'm providing with our fitness programs, which are they're for the general population, not general population, but the general prenatal population. They're not individual programs. But when you work with a physical therapist, that's where you're getting that individualized treatment plan based on your body. Because what Roxanne's going to do in Pilot 4 PT is going to be different than what I do to achieve the results we're trying to get after. Right. I mean, there have been times where I've tried to help 
notification or like people will reach out to me on Instagram. Um, and this was before I was accepting, you know, virtual clients. And they've asked, you know, oh, you know, I live in this area. Like, is there, how do I find a good physical therapist? I'll go on to pelvicrehab.com, which I believe is a Herman and Wallace website. And they just have a database for pelvic providers. If I'm not seeing something that kind of pops out to me, I'll I'll send them to a, or try and help them find a PRI provider over a pelvic floor physical therapist, which I know that's probably going to be frowned upon if you to say on a podcast, but just because they are so knowledgeable in the body's asymmetries and then integrating the systems, like I said, which influence those asymmetries and see if, you know, because a lot of times you can treat externally. One of the main differences between a pelvic floor physical therapist and a regular just orthopedic physical therapist is that we're trained in internal manual evaluation. So we can actually go in internally through the vaginal canal or through the rectum and assess the tissue. But you don't always need to do that. And so if you if you aren't in an area where you have access to good care, then seeking out a PRI provider might not be a bad way to go because you can at least start to tackle some of these things externally. And a lot of times when you start correcting or or neutralizing some of the posture, especially before you go into exercises under load, like, you know, back squat or whatever, a lot of times those those issues kind of sort themselves out because you're alleviating the tension through, you know, the different sides, right? So it can be a good place to start if you're not in an area that has a well-known pelvic floor PT to help you. So it's always, that's kind of like a backup. And I think even if you can't find an in-person like PRA provider or pelvic floor PT that is going to help you, like we have virtual support as well because you don't need to do internal work to get results with pelvic floor PT either. Because I know for me during my last pregnancy, like you helped me out with my SI joint pain. And I don't think we did any internal work during my pregnancy. Like it was just, hey, this is how you move. This is the assessment that I did with how you move your body. Let's do these exercises. And I think like the next day I was like, my pain's resolved. Magic. <laughs> like, But it was individualized to how I moved my body. And it was taking a look at how I was breathing and what muscles were a lot tighter for me based on the movement patterns that were accessible to me. So I don't think you always need like an in-person provider if you need results because it's really disheartening when I hear people say like, well, I've been seeing this PT for like six months because they'll message us about like, I have this pelvic pain, I have this tailbone pain, I have this issue, but I'm not seeing results and I've been seeing the same PT for four to six months and I can't afford it anymore. And I'm like, what have you been doing with them? And they're like, well, I do glute bridges and clamshells and they do manual therapy on me. And I'm no, like, no. we don't live our life glute bridging around. It's <laughs> like we live our lives upright. And if they're not going to address the way that you're breathing or the way that you're moving, like, I mean, you've seen different pelvic floor physical therapists and physical therapists where there are certain ones that you felt you had more like results from or more I think that's just it's it's so dependent because like at every time I was just in a different stage I feel like in my pelvic floor journey journey I guess I've seen uh, like five different providers yes you have a good idea just because like life like the first one I saw when I was in the army and then she didn't see people outside of like she didn't see like with my insurance it's just at Wilmec so I obviously moved on from her because I just couldn't see her anymore. And then I went to see somebody else. 
And they did PRI type stuff, never had to do internal at all during my pregnancy. And that's the other thing, like people don't realize that they can see pelvic floor PT during pregnancy to address those issues that you're having. Or even if you have prolapse, like to just keep an eye on your symptoms, like see a pelvic floor PT. Like it's so, it's very easy. I feel like to, not easy to like find, but like it's an easy step to like help, you know, protect and prepare your pelvic floor for birth is seeing someone during pregnancy as well. And then I, we moved, so then I had to find a new pelvic floor PT, and then I moved again, and had to find a new pelvic floor PT, and then my pelvic floor PT moved, so that I had to find a new pelvic floor PT. It's never like I've never had someone that was like awful, and then I had to like find somebody else. Thankfully, I feel very fortunate that I've had like pretty good pelvic floor PTs, but all of them did like all of you did work differently, and like how you addressed things, like the exercises that you would give. And then, like, the things that you assess. Like, PRI, like, everyone that has done PRI kind of looks at, like, similar things. But, like, the exercises that I've gotten from everybody is still somewhat different. And I think that that just speaks to, like, everyone is individualized to include, like, exercises that you're going to get from your pelvic floor PT. But I think it's every time that I've gone, they've always done, like, a head-to-toe assessment in a way. Like, my first initial appointment is, like, they didn't just look at my pelvic floor and been like, oh, yeah, that's the issue. Like, they looked at my entire body, whereas I think some people go to pelvic floor PTs. And, like, I think one girl, she's like, yeah, they did an internal assessment and said my pelvic floor was weak, so they put me on this, like, feedback thing, and that's what I did for 15 minutes was this feedback monitor. I was like, that's probably not a very good not uh, great. pelvic floor PT assessment. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, like, I think it's just... I obviously am very fortunate that I've gone to five different PTs that have all done that, where they looked at me as a whole versus just as a pelvic floor. And I think that that's probably something that someone should look for is that first appointment is that they're looking not just again, like, what are your symptoms, obviously, and like, what is like exacerbating those symptoms, but also like, how are you standing? How are you breathing? Like, like when you're in those different patterns that their symptoms are worse, what are you, what do you look like? which I don't think every PT does. You know, like I said, I, I lean heavily on PRI in the beginning because of, I don't know, it just, for me, it just breaks down like the evaluation in a way that's really digestible for me to kind of list some of those impairments. But more importantly, it does a really good job at integrating the nervous system. And so I think whether you're doing PRI or not, you have to start with what your nervous system is doing. Because if you're someone who is chronically stressed or you're hyper anxious, and again, these are going these these are things that like whether you're pregnant or not are probably habitual or just kind of based on your personality. If you are like in a state of just like heightened sympathetic activity and you cannot relax or the life of you, it's going to be hard to treat the pelvic floor, right? Like we need to learn how to transition out of a state of like over sympathetic stimulation into more of a parasympathetic kind of like rest and digest state if the goal is to like learn how to relax your pelvic floor right you're gonna have a hard time relaxing your pelvic floor if you're hypertonic and you can't ever relax the rest of your body so yeah just relax 
So you're telling me that if I want my pelvic floor to be released and relaxed, I need to not be stressed all the time. Yeah. That's a big ask. That's a big (laughs) ask. Can you just give me three exercises that I can do? (laughs) I like that approach better. (laughs) Just okay. Don't include Kegels though. All right. Cool. (laughs) Answer. So you're also preparing for a pregnancy and just like I am, and maybe we'll be pregnant at the same time. But as a pelvic floor physical therapist, what are you doing to prepare for pregnancy? And what do you anticipate that you would do during your pregnancy to prepare for birth? Yeah. So the first thing that I'm doing is getting my nutrition in check, finding a really high quality prenatal or supplement to help with that, as well as just making sure like diet is good and clean. And yeah, so the one that I'm using is needed, but there are a variety of pretty good ones out there. Obviously, we are a huge fan of needed uh, supplements ourselves. We took it during our pregnancies, prenatal. Yeah, we're we're pretty big fans. Prenatal, number one, prenatal in our mind, and then their collagen, and then everything. Like I I took their omega pre and probiotic, the vitamin D, the choline. I took uh, pretty much everything that they have I took during my pregnancy. And we really only share about products that we ourselves used and loved. And you can use our code MAMASTAYPOD for 20% off your own order of Needed or the first three months of a subscription. So we love Needed. They're very intentional, I feel like, about all of their ingredients, their sourcing, as well as their formulation. They look into the optimal dietary levels that we actually need, not just like the recommended value, which is like studies are done on men not even women so like it's the dietary recommendations of men that are not pregnant or postpartum so i I, we really love Nita and glad that you are using them i'm big fan big fan i think you might have messaged me like what should i take and i was like needed yes taking it so in addition to diet nutrition i hope you're sleeping more too that's probably i think i heard that's good for your health (laughs) (laughs) yeah what else are you doing to prep for pregnancy? So I think that's one of the bigger things. The second thing is I, I'm not a huge fan of like changing what I'm doing. So I'm trying to keep like my exercise routine pretty close to like or as normal as possible. Obviously, like with once I am pregnant, like with the progressive pregnancy, like modifying those techniques so that I'm not exacerbating pressure on my pelvic floor or causing irreversible DR or lower back pain or whatever, you know, making myself symptomatic and sending my body into like a tantrum. So being really intentional with like exercise selection, making sure that I'm maintaining good hip mobility for birth, all the things that, you know, honestly, a lot of the things that you guys preach are things that I'm doing or trying to implement into my own routine. And they're things that I preach to my patients too, you know, making sure that you're staying active, staying fit, and maintaining good hip mobility. I've never been someone who's like really big on stretching. I will say that. I'm not a big stretcher. I'm not a big stretcher either. I have, I've never been super into like, I mean, I guess I associate yoga with stretching. It's not always stretching, but I have never really been super into yoga. Which is funny that Gina says that because Gina is like, she did take a yoga teacher training. I did do a yoga teacher training. And we used to do yoga all the time, but I was definitely way more into yoga than Gina was. Yeah. I just, I don't know, just, I just don't like other people telling me what to do anymore. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, it's more like what's the point of having this flexibility that if you can't actually access your muscles to use that newfound range of motion, like how much are we really doing? So for me, mobility has always been 
much more important than flexibility. It's good to be, don't get me wrong, it's good to be flexible. But I think when you're pregnant and you have these like huge hormonal shifts that naturally (laughs) provide you with a little bit more flexibility ligamentously and like from a muscular standpoint, I don't need to be like cranking on those joints and making them irritable if you don't have the strength to back that up. Maintaining good mobility is one. Um, Another really important thing that I'll probably emphasize. And again, I do this like in my day to day to begin with. So I don't see it to be that different. But like recovery is huge. So going back to what you were just saying about sleep, if you're not getting a ton of sleep, like that can be really catabolic or break down muscle mass and tissue that you want to help stabilize your posture, right? Through that advancing pregnancy. So being intentional with the recovery, making sure I allow my body to recover. If I am starting to notice like any sort of pain patterns that are lasting, I would say more than like a week or so. I mean, sometimes you do have like discomfort with training, but as long as it's not sustained, we're usually in a good place. Yeah, there's a difference between being sore and being in pain. Yeah. So I think. Although sometimes it's just hard to like move because you're too sore. <laughs> Do not recommend. Oh, man. <laughs> like squats the day after squats. If you're sore for more than two days, we're probably overloading the tissue in a way that it doesn't like. But if it's less than that, uh, yeah, I- I'm with you on that. And then, like I said, nutrition is, is huge. So just making sure I like kind of stay within those, those kind of five categories. So intentional structure in my programming, nutrition, recovery smart exercise selection, and then, oh, the one thing I didn't mes- mention is progressive overload. So we we always want to have that. So, yeah. It's pretty similar to what I'm doing to prepare for pregnancy and what I plan to do is, like, the workout programming is is kind of the same throughout. Like, yeah, the structure of the program is a little bit different. Like, the cycle looks different. Like, I'm not going to be doing, like, one rep max type stuff during pregnancy because why? Why? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, but the exercise selection is really similar pre-pregnancy, conception, during pregnancy, postpartum. It's just like the way it looks maybe is a little bit different. Like the modifications that I take to make it more comfortable in my body and to limit symptoms will vary depending on where I'm in pregnancy. But the overall structure of my programming is going to be the same. And so there's there's not like a ton that really needs to change. This is obviously for people that are listening you should still buy our prenatal fitness program. It is intentionally designed. But the, the <laughs> movements are really similar to a normal workout program. And we just added a little bit more because we need a little bit more during pregnancy. We need a little bit more pelvic stability focus with the myofascial slings. We need a little bit more like hip mobility. But it's not like dramatically different than our like other programs. Like the structure is really similar. Just the exercise selection is a little bit different. And then there's certain symptoms that we have to monitor for a little bit more during pregnancy, such as the coning, which could make a diastasis a little bit worse. Or we might feel more bearing down on the pelvic floor, which can also make issues a little bit worse. And so, again, the pelvic floor is the victim. And we want to think about how we are moving our body to support our pregnancy and beyond. It's a hard question to answer because my natural response is to be like the same thing I'm doing now. And like that's always my goal for people is to like really not change what they're doing like I want them to do what they want to do we just might need to modify based on like you said like maybe some symptoms of coning or doming um pelvic heaviness is a big one though if you're feeling a lot of pelvic heaviness we definitely need to dial it back yeah yeah. your pelvic floor will tell you when you're doing too much yeah 
That's good. At we just have to listen to it. <laughs> that, that's the key. Can you listen she to the symptoms before. that you're experiencing? <laughs> that's the really hard part. Yeah. Thank you, Johanna, for coming on our podcast and sharing all about what pelvic floor physical therapy is and how it is actually more than just your pelvic floor. And if the pelvic floor PT you're seeing is only looking at your pelvic floor, we may Maybe need to consider fine. finding somebody else. Yeah. Johanna talked about where you can find a pelvic floor physical therapist at pelvicrehab.com. But it can also be beneficial to find somebody who's PRI trained because there is a little bit different of approach and something that we have personally found to be really successful in our own PT. And so, like, I'm a big, obviously, advocate of PRI and the concepts that they teach. We'll link them both below. Yeah. Where can people find you if they do want to work with you virtually? Because that's something that I'm huge about, too. If you can't find a pelvic floor PT by you who is actually going to help you, Fine. we've got plenty of virtual people. And by plenty, I mean two people. We have Johanna and Haley. <laughs> so a huge crowd, but <laughs> we like to keep them busy and we'll link their information below. But where can people find you? Just send me a DM on Instagram. That's it. That's all you have to do. <laughs> we'll chat. What is your what is your what, Instagram? What is your Instagram? Yeah, my Instagram is at more pelvic floor and I'll just chat with you and we'll, we'll get you set up. And we'll link all of Johanna's information down in the show notes as well. So you can have, you'll have a direct link to her Instagram and to her website. But thank you again for coming on the podcast and chatting with us. We miss you. Please come back. Um, yes. Whatever we can do to make that happen, let us know. We, we will call it general. Oh my yes. gosh. <laughs> oh my God. I'm trying so hard to get back there. Her floor is really making it difficult for me. Like, come on, come on. So, well, we miss you. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, too. All right. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you get notified whenever we release new episodes. We release new education episodes on the podcast on Wednesdays and new birth stories every Friday. If you want to share your birth story on the podcast, head to the show notes below so you can fill out the form and we'll contact you to schedule a time to record your episode. If you need more support during your pregnancy, you can join our online childbirth education course and prenatal fitness programs. We also have a pelvic floor prep for birth course, and we do recommend working with a pelvic floor physical therapist during your pregnancy as well. It's not exclusive to the postpartum phase. If you're postpartum, you can join our postpartum education courses and postpartum fitness programs to help return to fitness after birth. Our programs are going to focus on helping you rehab from pregnancy and from birth, help manage diastasis, prolapse, and common issues that you may have in the postpartum phase. In addition, working with a pelvic floor physical therapist in the postpartum phase and advocating for that referral can be very beneficial as well. If you're a professional and you want to learn more from us, you can join our online programs for birth workers and for fitness trainers. And we can also come do in-person workshops with you as well if you want us to come to your hospital or to your PT clinic to teach you our expertise on how to work with a perinatal time frame. This podcast is sponsored by Needed, a nutrition company that's focused on the perinatal time frame that both Gina and I have taken during our pregnancies and postpartums as well as our husbands. And you can use code MAMASTAYPOD to get 20% off your first order or the first three months of your subscription. 